Blog Talk Radio. to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we are talking about the secrets and mysteries of Hawaii. It is paradise on earth, as so many people know, and my guest today is author Pila of Hawaii, and he wrote the book, The Secrets and Mysteries of Hawaii, and he really tells us that paradise is a place within us. Pila is a decorated Vietnam veteran, and he had a near-death combat experience that led him to write this book. And I'd really say that that experience is what made him committed to the work that he's doing today. Welcome, Pila of Hawaii. Aloha, Lauren. Aloha. Well, we have got a lot of great information to talk about today, everything from the seven chakras matching the seven major islands of Hawaii, as well as UFOs and the magic of Hawaii. So let's start from the beginning, Pila. What happened in your life that was a turning point for you? There have been several, but the big one, I suppose, was uh, Vietnam when... uh received my first Purple Heart. I had a near-death experience. And, of course, you've heard a lot of people on the lecture circuit and a lot of books are written about theirs, but uh, the unusual thing that happened with mine was that through the years in Hawaii, when we opened a little shop called Crystal Visions of Hawaii many years ago in the 70s, early 80s, we had, through the years, over 140 individuals show up with the same vision of a healing center, alternative medicine center, New Thought University uh, vision in the islands, and uh, nine of them actually had blueprints of unusual looking buildings that I never told anyone about through all those years for almost a decade and a half, and uh, it... uh, became known as the chicken skin place by the Hawaiians, a little place in Kona in the shopping village there. And I've written a lengthier book about that after it took me years and years to write. It's called God Link, 650 pages, and by the time I finished it, I realized it was all for my own therapy. But uh, that looks like it's finally uh, coming to fruition. There may be movie rights for it, so because of the phenomenal gathering that's been taking place world over. We just returned from a conference in Maui with a university called uh, Quantum University of Honolulu, Dr. Paul Druin. Uh, Sharing the vision with him is a similar vision as does uh, Dr. uh, Patrick Porter, excuse me, whom uh, I guess you will talk about later with the new Zen Frames uh, Binaural Beat technology for a new form of education. And all these gentlemen are coming together with the same vision. And and hopefully, after all these years, we're not too old now, uh, mm-hmm. start to see this come into reality. We think it's going to be in Maui, but we're not, we haven't firmed up. We have a hotel partner that will be developing one of the existing properties. That's just absolutely fascinating. You know, so many people having the visions of a healing center, and even today, people that you may not even know have that same vision as well. Explain, please, what you mean by chicken skin place. That's like that good feeling, and that's a guidance system. Is that what you mean by that? Oh, good girl. Thank you. (laughs) That's um, the biggest single factor throughout uh, all these 20, 30 years that we learn from the Hawaiian wisdom 
that is your heart telling your brain that you're on course and that you're hearing your own truth. The Hawaiians say that's the angels, the anela, kissing your body whenever you have that involuntary response of chicken skin. When you're hearing a truth, you get the chills run up and down your spine, forearms, and uh, uh, means you're hearing your own truth. And sometimes it even makes you shiver. Yes. Well, if it shivers too much, our dearly departed uh, golden treasure, uh, Uncle George Naope, used to say that's crocodile skin. That means you better watch yourself. You, uh, you might... Uh, want to take a little different approach or redirect your direction if you get crocodile skin. You know, you have like one little wave of a shiver where you just shiver. That would be crocodile skin. Yeah, that's uh, if it affects your na'au, your seat of knowing, your tummy, um, then uh, with a little sense of dread, then you're, you're uh, or as grandmother would say, somebody just walked over my grave when she would feel that way. You can tell the difference, but after you feel it for a while, that uh, is warning you. But if you feel the delight, that is uh, your shower from God, what's called the ka'auhelemoa, the misty rain that that is your connection to higher soul. Now, your book goes over a lot of fascinating things. You found yourself in Hawaii. What decade was that? Well, I washed up on the beach um, for the first time in the early 70s, <laughs> as we used to say. Uh, I'll give you an example of how that worked in those days. When we first opened the uh, the crystal shop in the 80s, I think it was about 81 or 82, we would have, like on a daily occurrence or weekly occurrence, uh, a gentleman w- would walk in with one day with a backpack and uh, look at the purple ceiling and the fairy lights and say, well, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I guess I belong. Have you got a clue? And that gentleman I spoke of uh, was a doctor from Kansas City with his own clinic, and he had pronounced himself terminally ill of cancer and uh, looking for guidance in his life. So we would take him down to what's called the place of refuge, Pu'u Honua Ohonau Now. It's about 30 miles south of Kona. It's a very sacred ground for the Hawaiians. It's a national park. But um, I call it the edge of eternity. And that particular gentleman found himself sitting in the water there, which, of course, as uh, time progresses, is illegal to do. You can't... go to the sacred grounds in certain areas, but he sat in the water and found himself in remission went uh, from pancreatic cancer. And it was uh, through the years we've had uh, literally hundreds of people that have made that sojourn and sorted themselves out and found their higher connection. And what we came to learn is that it was a metaphor like the islands itself for what you're looking for. If you're looking for the high mountain or the crossroads or that place where you can stand outside of your melodrama, your confusing situation, and hear your own higher voice of great spirit, God, deity, whatever you want to call it, it seems to honor all the religions, and we've had some remarkable healings there. Some... uh, celebrity household names, as a matter of fact. And that brings us to a deeper question. In your book, you write of that special place on the Big Island and UFOs and even the degree of the island is aligned with the face on Mars or pyramids on Mars. Let's talk a little bit about that. Boy, you sure get into it, don't you, Lauren? Uh, it's a fascinating You're one of us that has a little propeller on your uh, cap, <laughs> <laughs> UFO beanie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is great. I rarely get to talk about the far-out stuff, but uh, my favorite radio interview before you, of course, was um, there in Kona when we had the commander of the 
Army base up on Saddle Road. There's some very mysterious things always happening on Saddle Road. Called in to deny the UFO sightings that the whole village had seen. We had these blue lights coming from Maui and hanging a right uh, above Kona and going up Saddle Road. And the uh, colonel called in to assure everyone on the radio at that moment because there were so many people in the village that had seen it and it was happening as the interview was happening. I think this is in my big book, uh, Godlink. Yes. Um, and the colonel said, oh, we're just firing a new weapon and we're testing a new weapon. And I said, uh, uh, so your weapon f hangs a left, huh, colonel? And he stuttered and uh, <laughs> finally said, well, we're, we're not quite sure what it was. And, and that was an average evening in the early days in Kona. But uh, there are also uh, Hawaiian chants when we began to research the deeper meaning we did. I discovered seven distinct levels of interpretation in the Hawaiian chants, and they talk all about the UFOs as well as the human soul when it leaves the body. Um, I think uh, what our friend Drondolo Melchizedek describes as Merkaba. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, disc shaped uh, up to 30 foot uh, energy field that if you are in a certain um, loosened up state of uh, uh, what's called Hakalau vision or if you are have your vibes cranked up a little bit and you have a relaxing and Kona evening, you might be able to see this human energy field. And now the research that's going on, both uh, theologically and scientifically, uh, is considering that that strip of coast along the Kona coast coming from Maui in a certain angle, having to do with that mathematics you were talking about called sacred geometry, 19.5 uh, edge of the triangle that... Uh, seems to be a master mathematical puzzle from uh, ancient times that uh, might have to do with our whole human puzzle, um, has an attractive, vortexing energy that may have to do with why the Hawaiian islands are a metaphor for the entire human estate when we did international polls from even communist countries years ago. They found that the number one destination on anyone's lips, whether they even had dreamed of ever coming to the islands or not, was uh, Hawaii. And there's a reason more than tourist destination. We believe now it has to do with the message of the human soul or something to do with our destiny or something to do with our higher connection or purpose and perhaps something to do with these mathematics and what I, came to me when I was meditating once on the Kauai on the Nepali coast was mm -hmm. if you take a wooden spoon, a spoon like grandmother used to when she was mixing your ingredients for wonderful yummy things in the kitchen and you take that and stir a bowl full of water or a jug full of water if you will stir it to a certain frequency and let go of that spoon it will draw the spoon toward the middle or toward a certain energy vortex and we think that's what's happening or at least that's my wild speculation with the human energy field once it leaves the body and that maybe some of this UFO sighting is uh simply people going home. Interesting. Could it be light bodies or in ships? It's, um, I think it's all interconnected, and that might be the freeway or the airport for it. It uh, seems to go down the coast of uh, Kona to this remarkable place called the City of Refuge, or place of refuge and pu'u honua ohonau now and it seems to hesitate there and then go out to south point south point's a very wild place very tip of the island 
get wild winds down there. You get a uh, shard of energy that goes up over Saddle Road. And if you wanted to um, compare it to those plains of um, in South America that uh, are said to be UFO hieroglyphs or whatever, it, it feels like that energy when you go there. And there's uh, even our uninitiated, we say, even the mind of a lawyer, <laughs> I like to pick on lawyers, can uh, sense the magic down there and sense the magic. And it has something to do with uh, where the earth itself liquefies, you know, that uh, power vortex called, that major spot called Madame Pele. Mm -hmm. uh, it just seems to be a place where all fixed things are liquid. All concrete things are malleable, and possibly that's why we're able to witness them, because the uh, chaos of our ordinary world is, as Gurdjieff used to put it, what keeps man asleep, and many women. <laughs> and when you can step outside of that chaos for a while and truly meditate or truly relax and smile under the palm tree as the Hawaiians say, which is a pure form of meditation, then you can begin to witness these things beyond our physical melodrama. It's a real place for transformation. It's easier there, and you can imagine from what we just said about malleable, even those things that you thought were fixed or rigid in your mind seem to have a little more malleability where the earth itself liquefies. And I think all of this is a great metaphor for the concrete, fixed, rigid mind. And uh, it's the reason we've been getting so many remissions on terminally ill people. For two years, uh, my friend uh, Mark Victor Hansen from my publisher, Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, HCI people, Mark was sending me terminally ill people, and uh, these are the hopelessly terminally ill that uh, the doctors had given up on, and the priests were coming to say, do last rites on, and if we could get them on a plane, get them to Hawaii sometimes. It was hit and miss in those days, but uh, every once in a while we'd have a miracle, a remission, like the doctor example I gave you. And uh, we just think it's uh, a little easier in that place called paradise where anything wild can happen. What uh, Uncle George used to call the mystical land of Paliuli, where men uh, were playthings of the gods, and women knew something more about it back then. I mentioned Uncle George twice. Now, he recently passed on. It was, was a... Uh, um, very heavy moment for all of us. So when I say his name more than twice, I have to say his full Hawaiian name. Little Uncle George was one of the original founders of the Merry Monarch International Festival of Hula there in Hilo. And we just happened to fly in from Austria and just happened to see his little wheelchair coming around the corner at the uh, Hilton Hawaiian Village. And, uh, and he passed on a couple of days after that. His name, his Hawaiian name, bless his soul, is Uncle George Lanakila Kekiaiali Naope. Pardon me, I'm a little emotional. I can feel it myself. Bless your sweet soul, Uncle George miles down from heaven and uh, made his trip out South Point to that place where all of us will soon in the twinkling of an eye be according to the old chant. I have to ask Lemuria, is this your feeling that the islands are remnants of Lemuria? What are you, What is your take on that? Well, it's an actual chant that calls the tips of these islands that was once a continent called Mu. 
that was at the far end of reality that became substance. In other words, before thoughts manifested fully, the time of the dream time. I think I explained it uh, in the Red Book as being if you were to view uh, history as a yardstick, the last few inches or so is our reality, what we call uh, his story, history, the male cover-up, <laughs> mm-hmm. the way the Hawaiians say it. And six inches before that would be the time that was the legend of the great time of Atlantis, where um, uh, men and women adorned themselves and acted as gods, or the stuff of Greek legend, where there was a higher connection with the elements and a more powerful and interesting wild drama that we only have remnants of that dream left, called the Golden Age of Greece and that sort of thing. And all the remainder of your yardstick would be, uh, as the Hawaiians call it, the time of Mu, the time of dream stuff, or the land of Pan, as it's called in some cultures. Are we going back to that? What is your vision of the future as you continue to build these healing centers because you know that this healing is within us, paradise is within us? Well, what we think now, the visionaries that are gathering from all over the world at these incredible conferences we've been having, and that are coming up with this new form of education uh, that Dr. Porter and some other people that we're coming together with are uh, bringing into reality. It's as though we've been linear for so long that we've finally come full circle. And as one of the Hawaiian chants, Uh, describes reality is it's actually a spiral and as above so below macrocosm microcosm uh, like the DNA library within us so if you looked at the spiral from the top it would appear as a circle so when you achieve a certain attitude you're no longer going from some place to another in this linear what we call the end of our uh, scenario that right now all the feeling in the world is is building into a high anxiety. Um, It can be interpreted in some cultures as the Armageddon scenario, that we're actually coming full circle and loosening the grip on our physical reality and the dream itself that we've been trapped in, according to the ancient Hawaiian chants. And so... Instead of an ending, this is a great new beginning. And uh, if you've ever been through the fear end of it or the combat combat end of it, like many of us have, you would choose to begin to play the game that way. And uh, instead of uh, buying into all this fear and all this bad news that we've come to through our bad habits, learn to view our world. Um, There's a few of us out there, and a lot of your listeners that are on the same frequency now, that would like to start a new game, create a new modality, and that's what the Healing Center uh, Research Center University, New Thought University, is all about. As I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of people all over the world that have had this vision, and now we would like to see it manifest. There's more than one power center, apparently, but Hawaii seems to be a main one. It's connected with others, Sedona and Arizona, Banff, Calgary, Nelson area, somewhere up there in Canada, we think is another energy point. And all of these places, if people can come together and what we call play in the new sandbox, perhaps we can begin to show the world a, uh, a new modality, a new paradigm, a healing paradigm, starting with our own problems, with our own mortality, and those things that uh, science calls 
incurable. And I'm getting quite exciting for the few people that are starting to gather in this manner. And of course, the fun stuffs uh, when you start talking UFOs and everything else that's been a fantasy and legend. You better be careful what you ask for, those, <laughs> as we say on the Big Island. Well, I know people, including myself, I saw a UFO outside of my home in Colorado about a year, almost coming up on two years ago, and at first I was fearful, and then it just opened my consciousness to more information. I Personally, I went down what I call a rabbit hole about four years ago. I lived on Guam, and I had heard the word Lemuria, moo, 12 years ago when I lived on Guam. The energy on Guam in my life was wonderful. It opened my heart. It opened a lot of people's heart. It had a healing effect on all of us. However, Hawaii is even that much more special. And it's amazing that everyone just loves it. There's so many of us that get the call to go there, to live there, to be there. You said we need to achieve a certain attitude. And let's talk a little bit about Huna because of that attitude. Mm -hmm. Attitude is everything, I think. Bugs Bunny, the great sage, once said that on a T-shirt. <laughs> and that's truly the, the uh, approach of the ancient Hawaiian wisdom called Huna. Uh, and uh, the healing modality called uh, Ho'oponopono which means to bring the parts of ourselves back together again into wholeness and to heal all around us. The Hawaiians had a different understanding rather than healing. Their entire approach was um, holistic. It was uh, clarification. So when you clarify things, uh, they appear to be healed in the physical world, but uh, actually the wholeness is within you. All you have to do is uncover it. And Huna was the philosophy of life, a very simple one. If it's not simple, it's not Huna. It's one of our premises for that. We've, uh, and to cover your UFOs and the rest of it, we have uh, two new bumper stickers in Paradise. One of them's um, for all of our religionists. It's uh, Born Again Hawaiian is the bumper sticker. <laughs> and the uh, the other one's UFO, go home. Either come to dinner and identify yourselves or leave us alone. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's time to make sense of all this, in other words. So UFOs and disclosure, it's obvious they are around. Even History Channel has ancient aliens. They've been around even before the major groups of society was even here. What does it look like when we all recognize that UFOs are what they are? Well, uh, just imagine of the one commonality that holds this um, dream state together. Uh, for centuries and centuries in all of our written history, we had thoughts of something else, but the reality we thought was we're it, and that's all there is in the universe. And now that's considered pretty lame, even in full scientific circles. You know, just the odds of there being other life out there is uh, quite probable. And as you entertain a new concept, you allow it, that door to open. So uh, the Hawaiian attitude is that enough people come together in the same light or the same thought it will change the entire reality. It will lift the entire veil, open the door. And if nothing else, we must all agree that uh, there's a tremendous amount of coincidence happening nowadays in relation to biblical prophecy, in relation to uh, the number of inventions and breakthroughs that are happening. And all of the new thoughts and the new realities and the new inventions that have ever happened in our entire story, uh, over 90% has revealed itself within the last two generations. 
So things have speeded up, and it's a snowball effect, and it's gaining momentum, and it's definitely headed somewhere to a grand new beginning is the way that the Hawaiians look at it. And that's the way you should be playing the game. Otherwise, you're retreating in fear, and that's not healthy for anyone. Some of our richest friends here, right here in this little community called Newport Beach that was just a few months ago proclaimed the richest city in the nation, are really becoming mentally unstable. These are the rich people of this community that are reaching retirement age because they're afraid, because they don't know what's happening. And then, um, so the way to play the game is, what if this were a wonderful new awakening? And to go toward that more positive threshold is to begin to embrace new ideas. And if you don't, uh, you're gonna be the next dinosaur. It's fossilized thinking that is the danger here. And realize that uh, we're headed somewhere positive. And if people come together with that attitude, with that excitement, with the wonderment of a childlike wonderment, which is the Huna approach to things, if it's not simple and if it's not fun, don't go in that direction. And if it's a little too sensationalism, and if you're looking for a little bit uh, too much excitement, you better be grounded in your fun or you're going to get the shock of your life too. Because if you can imagine being there in your ordinary day and E.T. happens to walk around from the corner of the building, it can be pretty stunning, pretty shattering to your little experience. I have one good example. <laughs> in the little red book of a lady that moved to South Point. She's going to have her UFO experience. She came from Virginia and moving there, and she moved out on her lanai the first day, and as she said, a UFO mothership, it must have been the size of an apartment house, came out of the ocean with a column of water behind it, and she turned around and quietly packed her bags and left. <laughs> Never said a word to anyone. So you got to be careful of what you ask for. And I don't know if that really happened or not, but it certainly did in her reality. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of testimonies there. What I walked away from, though, Lauren, on the lecture circuit, I was on the whole life uh, speaking circuit, the keynote lecture for many years, um, were the cults that formed around this and the... Um, false excitement energy of uh, all the UFO crowds that uh, were really taking people's money and and uh, all based on this uh, what can I say and what can I do to raise the hair on the back of your neck uh, sensationalism mm -hmm. and uh, if you just look into it your individual way and uh, and if you're not in denial about your excitement, and if you're not into escapism, that's the other thing. It's kind of dangerous to move, <clears throat> excuse me, to paradise if you're trying to get away from something. If your world is so boring that you're just looking for that sensationalism, you have to be more balanced than that. Because the first lesson you get in moving to Kona, we have hundreds of stories like this is that thing that you're looking to get away from or that neighbor you couldn't stand next door will be the first thing that happens to you when you get to Kona. Mm -hmm. And so many people move to paradise because you're on an active volcano. Mm -hmm. It's not restful energy there on that particular island. Um, you have all of your emotions come up, first thing. And if you're processing and if you haven't embraced something or something you need to heal, it's the first thing that will present itself to you. And so those people that come there looking for the sensational experience usually get more than they bargain for. 
and it's actually the ones that are peaceful and at home and well-balanced that are getting their UFO experience. So I had a very interesting, if people don't believe this, so you know, if you have skeptics on your UFO, I took actual polls, starting with New York Life when I was doing their conferences at the uh, Hilton Waikoloa Village, of people that have actually had a UFO encounter experience. And that first poll from uh, New York Life Insurance Salesman, I think I had three hands in the entire audience of several hundred. Then I started polling all of the Big Island residents. I had a meeting the next week, uh, book signing, I think it was at Borders. And I polled them, and over 90% raised their hand. Everybody that has been a resident for more than a couple of years, and away. So it's, uh, there is a phenomena happening there. There is, um, and it's happening at other places on the planet. And I believe it's leading towards something. But it needs to take a more adult step beyond this sensationalism and table tipping and uh, ghost stuff that's happening on the sci-fi channel. Well, what do you think about the Norway Blue Spiral about, well, coming up about a year ago on December 9th last year, December 9th, 2010? That was fascinating. And it is something that cannot be denied, and I think people recognize the fact that it was not a rocket. Now, I'm not familiar with that, so please mm. tell me and your listeners. I'm, okay. I'm behind the times. But you, you got my interest with blue and spiral. That's two of the key words in Hawaiian. Well, and it was spinning to the right. It was over Norway. It was a blue spiral light that was in the sky for about 45 minutes. Now, Bart Simpson says the toilets flush to the left or the right in America, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? <laughs> it's the way the energy flows. I'm, I'm sorry to bring up a yes. levity at this point. but Yes, it's the way the energy flows. Uh, my friend Tommy, um, with the, he energizes water from with energy from deep space, and he loved this Norway blue spiral. It was another vortex. So is it a signal? Other people said it was a sign. Other people said it was a wormhole. So the jury's still out on that one. Anyway. I'm getting my chicken skin on it. I'm, uh, there's definitely something to what you're saying. What excites me about it are the ancient chants when we talk about uh, uh, spiral and blue. Blue has to do with the higher self, which has now come to us in the form of Avatar and some of these other exciting things. We talked about that 30, 40 years ago, that the actual oversoul of the human connection, the greater part of ourselves, is blue in nature. It's called the blue forming identity that is our connection to uh, God or universe or however you want to put it, and that the spiral within that contains all knowledge can be found throughout the universe, that nature of how energy travels, how it stores itself, how it accesses itself, and how it forms realities. As above, so below, microcosm, microcosm. And wormhole, when you said that, really uh, got my attention. And then the blue frequency has to do with... Uh, uh, in Hawaiian understanding, uh, the individuality of finally giving voice to something and finally expressing itself uniquely. So it's, uh, I got that it's a doorway opening. Would that also be the throat chakra of blue? There you go. That's it. Uh, all about uh, forming your words, getting your teeth into this, uh, uh, expressing your individuality. And when... Uh, a individual achieved uh, adulthood in the early American Indian tribes. They were always given a, like a turquoise stone with the message that you're now able on that blue frequency to uh, form your own individual.
individual identity, to speak what you're all about, to fly with the birds, no longer be held to the earthly plane, to experience your own threshold and your doorway. So it's all metaphorical, but uh, I think uh, maybe let's just say that that uh, has to do with a doorway opening. Yes, it it makes total sense to me. I love it. What else I like about it is when we look at the Bhagavad Gita, the Indian scriptures, Krishna is blue, painted in blue. If you ever read Urantia book or any of that, the ancient peoples, even before, that, that are not even in this world, there was a race of blue people. Very okay. interesting you'd bring that up. I was hypnotized um, some 20, 30 years ago. Let's see, when was it? It was in the 80s. By Dr. Marga O'Brien, uh, Hypnosis Institute in Denver, I think it was. Oh, and I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, you are? Great. Yeah, yeah. Boulder's another vortex. That's the one I should have uh, mentioned. Uh, Boulder with uh, Calgary, Nelson area, and Sedona. So those are these are all definitely powerpoints, in my opinion, of higher awareness where people gather. And Dr. O'Brien uh, had just hypnotized Serge King, who's one of our great Hawaiian teachers, and and we both came up with the same information. Now, I hadn't met uh, Dr. King at that time, and have since. Great supporter of his work, and uh, under. Hypnosis, we both describe this uh, sister planet that's now the asteroid belt of the blue people that were our brothers and sisters. And so it's very interesting that you brought that up now. It's, a, it's been a lot of years since I've heard that. So the asteroid belt, that's a former planet? Uh, that's what we said or channeled under hypnosis so, and, and had in common in our and she was documenting this from putting people under and seeing what they came up with. And Fascinating. They seemed real at the time. Well, doesn't Zakaria Sitchin talk about that planet? That was the 12th planet. There you go. This is all just one big giant puzzle, and what I'm learning is that everything is related, and it usually goes right back to Mu or Lemuria. So let's look forward. I want to ask you about this shift. When we've got an alignment coming up, and we could very well be going through it. Some of us out here say we're already going through it. Times are changing so fast, it's not going to be one specific day. But then there are others that say there's going to be three days of darkness as we go into the photon belt. What are your thoughts on this whole concept? Gosh, I don't know if we've got enough time to go into it. I, I <laughs> tremendous um, impressions about it, and uh, one of the things that I hesitate to talk about is anything in a negative light, because it begins. Um, one of the things that happened to me as a survivor in Vietnam in a experimental Marine Corps unit that was top secret at the time, we had the highest casualties of the war then, over 50 percent. And um, when I had this experience, I realized something that's been very controversial to uh, some of our ministers and priests that have come together. So I, I hesitate to go into that because it gets uh, it challenges religious concepts. That's okay. And it and it made me sound like uh, uh, I knew a little too much. I I'm just an ordinary old center that uh, donned a uniform for his country and tried to do what uh, I did back then, and if I had it to do all over again, I would have made different choices. But I, I realized that under the pressure of combat, um, when I had an out-of-body experience, which has been, uh, there have been so many people that have had that same thing, there are several ways to experience it, and one of them is through pressure. If you uh, have enough pressure applied to the situation, uh, you can time jump or jump out of the, of, uh, oh. or 
different scenario. Uh-huh. What I experienced was a very delightful time up in the treetops looking down on my body flopping around the battlefield. And uh, I guess clinically I was dead for over seven minutes, but I could still see my body flopping around, so I've always wondered about that. But it was extremely pleasant uh, looking down on it. And I saw this aperture. I saw an Indian beckoning to me, which uh, I believe to be my grandfather. My mother never knew her father. I found him in Oklahoma Register and old, one of the first uh, American Indians to attend Oklahoma State University uh, many years later. And he was beckoning, beckoning me toward this blue uh, magenta aperture, very feminine-looking aperture wanted to go home. I wanted to go that way, but something pulled me back into my body. And at that moment, whether uh, it's true or not, I don't mean to mean to offend any religious or spiritual people, but uh, that even the so-called prophets of God, who were under tremendous pressure when they channeled, may not have been seeing the whole picture, particularly if you're in a great deal of pain or confusion. And uh, I, I held on to that concept for many years, and it's helped me every time I have started to interpret something in a negative way. Because it's so easy right now in this day and age to buy the fear, to buy the Armageddon scenario. And as a truly a wise man once told me, yes, and you're better off without it. Something is coming to an end. And it's also the birth of something new, as you mentioned. What is happening actually is a miracle in childbirth. And I think that's what we're going through in all this time of confusion and disillusion and explosions and wars and rumors of wars. And that maybe the so-called prophets of God... uh, and, and I know they were interpreting the very best they could in the very earnest that they could at the time were not seeing the full picture. So when you go back in to read Revelation and some of these other things, uh, just tell yourself that even if we have a complete breakdown of communication for a few days or a few weeks, I don't know how long, uh, or if things seem to break down and there's a time of darkness it would be just wonderful if a handful of us could pull together and keep the light going the Hawaiian wisdom and understanding says that always it's been a handful of light workers that have held this planet together and if your readers your listeners can be one of those light workers no matter how dark it may get in the next few years for a short period of time. I have a feeling that something marvelous can happen, and that's all I'll say about uh, the dark times or the negative times. Well, hopefully we will all be sleeping for those three days, if it will be. (laughs) That'd be nice. And we wake up, and it's a whole new diamond crystal light world. (laughs) I like your attitude. I I find it fascinating that you you saw a blue aperture. When we look at the Anasazi Indians, Mesa Verde, for example, is in Colorado, and in every kiva there is a hole that they say that is where we came from. So it is like another rebirthing. Neat. Uh, Well, there's another thing. Maybe some of your listeners have had this experience. I was about four or five years old. My grandmother had this Viking glass. It's a deep royal blue. And I would uh, stay inside, hold one of those glasses up to the light, the light shining through the window. And I had a fascination with this glass, this deep blue color. And when you look through an empty glass and two sides of it shine through, it forms this magenta color in the middle, this uh, aperture I'm talking about. And uh, 
I've found through the years that many people have had a fascination with this color. And many of the people that, uh, quote, found their way home in the early days of Kona and the Hawaiian Islands. And and it would be interesting to know if some of your listeners have also had a fascination with blue and deep blue, royal blue. Yes, so anyone listening, send us a note and tell us about your experience. Tell us the story very quickly. Mm-hmm. In your book, you talked about the dolphins. That's a fascinating story. They saved your life. Yes. What was going on at the time? Um, I was at the end of one of my ropes, <laughs> as I put it in those days. I uh, was in a divorce. I'd come to the islands. I was uh, desperately searching. I had uh, begun writing the book. I'd had some mystical experiences, but it was a day when I had uh, finally gathered the courage to say goodbye forever to the person that I loved at that time and knew that our journey, our part of the sharing was over with. And there's a a thing that happens deep down when you realize that, that, uh, as I said, the island of Hawaii shrunk up to the size of a charcoal briquette, and there I was standing in the middle of the the ocean alone and wondering, have no clue of what my future was. Feeling very lonely is feeling all the uh, therapy uh, that I'd been through in Vietnam. You got to realize I'd come back to a straitjacket with my teeth wired shut, and then psychiatry and everything didn't help. So I uh, had been through several decades of my own therapy, trying to sort myself out and find my way. And so I decided to uh, go to a little beach called Ho'okana. It's like stepping back in time. You go down there and swim with the dolphins. They're not the the big grays, they're the little wild ones, and they usually don't even come close around. And I was uh, crying into my snorkel mask, as I said, I <laughs> and looked down and saw a big moray eel and decided to go down and touch it because some girl had done that on the National Geographic channel, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, if I'm a big brave marine, I should at least go down and fondle that thing, and I, I kind of realized it might have been a suicide wish, because that thing is uh, bigger than my leg and, and attached onto coral down there, and if he'd latched onto me, that would have been it for me, because I was free diving at that time. I was able to get up to 90 feet. Uh, Mark Victor Hansen used to think that was really marvelous, that I could free dive to 90 feet. People do it much deeper than that. But uh, That's pretty good. That's excellent. Yeah, that was the old days, and and uh, it was quite remarkable. It's like going to another planet when you finally get over that threshold of of uh, straining to go deeper, and you can explore it down there. But this was only about 30 or 40 feet. And just as I took the breath and was going down, and I think it was a, a, a suicide wish, I, I was just tired, heartbroken, didn't have answers in my life, and my therapy wasn't working. I was still brain damaged. I'm, I'm the, to this day, I guess, the New York uh, Veterans Administration poster boy for post-traumatic stress. Uh, Dr. Helio Glover, the uh, chief psychiatrist there, wrote the uh, 12-page intro to my new book, Godlink. And uh, I just at that time couldn't sort myself out, so I started to take that breath down, and I, I was swirled up out of the water. As I said, the three or four dolphins just spun under me and lifted me up, and it shocked the dickens out of me. And then I looked at them, and one of them looked back and kind of laughed, just chirped at me, and they just sped off and went on about their play. But that saved my life. It's not the end of the story. I went all the way into town to brag and just, uh, uh, the dolphins uh, came next to me and lifted me out of the water today and and somebody said in the village at that time, because we were having, a lot of people are having mystical experiences, said, oh, that's nothing. Uh, 
a girl rode one the other day. I said, what? She said, yeah, she's just grabbed onto the dorsal fin, and he took her all around the bay. I said, well, there you are. It's a common experience for everyone, I guess. But that was my mystical experience and my life-saving experience with the dolphins. And it changed your attitude. It, it was a sense of joy. It, it gave you hope. Yeah, it broke through all the seriousness and, and allowed me to come out and play again, as the Hawaiians say, and not take it so serious. That's what the message was to me when the, the little one laughed. That's really what we need to just do in life is always just to be in joy and live in love. Good girl. Yes, yes ma'am. That's Every what mother, I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave everyone with a little taste of your program called The Islands Within You. I did several mystical journeys with music uh, to the early conferences in Hawaii. This one's been the most famous. It's what uh, got the Red Book uh, that you mentioned, The Secrets and Mysteries of Hawaii, uh, taken into the International Theosophical Society Research Archive. It was uh, inducted into that archive along with the new interpretation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think that was in 2004. Because of their fascination and the research they wanted to do on the seven major islands of Hawaii perfectly aligning with the seven energy centers of the body that uh, Eastern philosophy knows as chakra. So this is a mystical journey. And it's been very powerful for a lot of people. It really gives you a lot of energy to take this journey. And then the uh, profound thing we discovered through the years is that there is something on each island that proves that it's connected with that chakra, having to do with the hula halaos, the colors that they chose for their hula uh, groups on each island, and actual mineral deposits and different things like that, and, and other phenomena that are connected with that perfect interpretation of each chakra. So when you take this mystical journey, uh, people also have great visions coming to them. We had a, uh, a doctor in Lexington, Kentucky, a psychologist, Kentucky, that uh, was keeping records on this for years because people were coming up with actual symbols that are not mentioned at all in any language pattern or anything in the journeys. And uh, it's as though all of these people were at one ancient campfire at one time or other. It feels like that anyway when we come together. And that we're remembering something from lifetimes ago. So when you take this journey, just enjoy it that way. Just smile and think of yourself as going to the islands of paradise and see what happens within you. And we have that program for you. It's about 28 minutes, and it's on part two of this radio program, immediately following today's program. We are going to wrap up this interview. I thank you so much, Pila. I want to invite everyone to purchase the book, The Secrets and Mysteries of Hawaii, by Pila of Hawaii. It really is a call to the soul. And you're also part of Quantum University, which is currently up and running. We've got uh, two incredible uh, quantum physicists, Dr. Yuri Krohn from Russia and uh, Amit Goswami. Oh, he's incredible. He was on that uh, What the Bleep Do We Know yes. uh, film. And uh, you've got to hear these men speak. It is profound beyond any religious beliefs you've ever heard, and it's uh, more spiritual than anything you can imagine, and it's pure science. And we just uh, had a wonderful conference with them in Hawaii, and they're coming aboard. There will be content providers for this new technology with Dr. Porter called Porter Vision, Zen Frames Technology. And all of my uh, journeys will be available on those. Beautiful. We look forward to that. Exciting times. And I just personally want to thank you for actually committing to your soul purpose. That's what you're here for right now, and you're doing it. So thank you. Well, thank you, dear. It's been wonderful talking with you. 
Thank you so much. Pila of Hawaii. Mahalo nui loa. Thank you, Laura. Please listen to part two for Journey to Lemuria by Pila of Hawaii.